0: Okay, we're continuing our and God series, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 7, looking at tonight's Samuel and God. We talked about Samuel last week as a boy coming into the temple, sleeping next to the ark, is kind of an amazing thing that he did. And God speaking to this boy. And then he becomes, through a series of unusual events, uh, he becomes the young man uh, that God has left in charge. Old Eli, the old man who had watched over him, fell over and broke his neck and died. And so the situation was that Eli's sons had taken the ark into a battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines wiped them out, killed Eli's sons, and took the ark. And so uh, we, I mentioned how they put ark in Dagon's temple. Their Philistine god was half man and half fish. And Dagon fell over and broke his head. <coughs> Well, they wanted to get rid of that thing. It wasn't just Dagon; they were plagued too. Wherever the ark was, and they put it in one Philistine, the other people would start to die, and uh, we were overrun with mice all over everything. You know the disease that spreads, and actually, <laughs> um, God, the Bible says that God gave all the Philistines hemorrhoids. And, uh, That's sort of a little comment all of its own, okay, but uh, God, uh, they said, man, get this thing out of here. And so they put it on a cart and they sent it, uh, put two milk cows on this cart, which milk cows don't pull carts. And they said, we're going to send it down the road and if it goes off somewhere, then we'll know that was all just coincidence. But if they go right down this road and walk away, then we'll know it was God. Well, the cows went right down the road. And they said, it was God. Get rid of that ark. Well, it went to, up till it came to a town, one of, one of the towns of Israel. And they got sneaky and opened the box. Not supposed to open that box. So a whole, whole bunch of them, thousands of them died. And so they sent it to the next place, place called Kareth-Jerarim. Uh, and we're in chapter 7, and we see what happens. Verse, chapter 7 of 1 Samuel, verse 1. And the men of Kareth-Jerarim came, fetched up the ark of the Lord, brought it into the house of Abinadab at the hill, sanctified Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. So it came to pass, well, the ark abode in Kareth-Jerarim, that the time was long, for it was 20 years. And so it's 20 years this ark is at somebody's house. And they never get it back to Shiloh, to the temple, or the tabernacle, the tent, and it's there for 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. That's a very good thing now here's where Samuel steps up to his first duty after the death of Eli. <coughs> Here we go. We're going to see what Samuel does. Samuel spake to all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return to the Lord with all your hearts, put, put away the strange gods and Astaroth from among you, prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. And the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Asherah and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizbah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizbah, drew water, poured it out before the Lord, fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizbah. And so uh, there's this place called... Mizbah happens to be the town where the ark and the battle for the ark happened. They lost the ark in Mizbah. He said, let's go back there, and they're going to have a service, and Samuel's going to lead the service. He's going to be the leader now, spiritual leader of Israel. Verse 7, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizbah, The lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. When the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Here's something that really stands out to me on this page. (coughs) There was a rule, a law, that the Philistines made. No gathering together. I don't want you gathering together. I don't want those people gathering together. And for 20 years... They lost the ark that's in the, in the uh, Kareth-Jerarim for 20 years. Nobody gathered together. They didn't do it. And the Philistines said, as long as you behave, no gathering together. So now they gather together to worship God, to pray and repent. Philistines said, we'll fix you guys. No more of that gathering together again. That rings in my ears. No gathering together, no gathering together. And uh, it's something that we've got to think about uh, seriously. No gathering together, no, no. God said, let's go. And that's what Samuel's leading them to do. And so, <coughs> verse 7 the Philistines heard, the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizbah, Lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. You can expect conflict when you gather. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Children of Israel said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines." And Samuel took a sucking lamb, offered it for a burnt offering, holy to the Lord. Samuel cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard him. Now last week, the last thing we said about Samuel was none of his words fell to the ground. That is, when he prayed, prayers all went up to heaven and God took them. God didn't say, eh, I don't like that one, and it fell to the ground. So when Samuel prayed, said all of his words went up to heaven. And so here he is, he's crying to the Lord. He takes a burnt offering, a whole burnt one, which is different than most of them. Uh, sometimes, most of the time, actually, your sacrifice, you took the guts and the blood out of the animal, put that on the altar, and gave some to the priest, and you took the rest home to eat it. In this case, you say, okay, it's all yours. It's all for God. So that whole lamb goes on the altar and burns. You don't get any of it. You give the whole thing to God. So that's what Samuel does, and he starts praying. Verse 10: As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day on the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah, pursued the Philistines, and smote them till they came to Beth And So Samuel prays. And these people were unarmed. What Philistines did was, if you were a blacksmith, they'd come in and just get rid of you, kill all the blacksmiths. So who's going to make a weapon? Nobody knows how to make a weapon. So what do they got? Well, they got axes and uh, uh, you know pitchforks, plows, plowshares, things like that. And so they have no weapons. But God says, "I got one for you," and so sends a huge thunder and lightning storm, it absolutely terrifies the Philistines, and then the Israelites rush in and chase them all away. Verse 12: When Samuel took a stone, set it between Mizpah and Shen, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, "Hitherto the Lord has helped us." So the Philistines were subdued. They came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And so, that was it. One battle. Reversed the whole thing. All right? When Eli's two sons took the Ark of the Covenant into battle, he said, well, we're the Ark of the Covenant. We got God with us. No, you don't. You got the box, but you ain't got God. Samuel with no weapons, calls on God, and God sends a thunderstorm, and it must have been really a thunderstorm, because the Philistines were not known for being sissies. Okay, <laughs> They're rough tough hombres, And uh, must have been a really whiz-bang. I don't know if you've been any real intense thunderstorms or not. Um, when I was at Uncle Ad's, there's a big valley there, and a storm would come up the valley and and uh, up the hill where we were, and sometimes it would really strike, and about five of the trees around his house had been all struck with lightning. And I remember being there when one of them got struck, and he said, you can feel the concussion, and it was true. It was like, <clears throat> wow, that's pretty intense. Well... It was was a pretty effective weapon. So Samuel prays, he gets thunder and lightning, and it's pretty amazing. None of his words fell to the ground. I want to think about this for a minute. Psalm, or Psalm 99, Psalm number 99, if you look at verse 6, Psalm ninety-nine, verse six: Moses and Aaron among his priests; they were the most famous priests, really, of all times. And Samuel among them that call on his name; they called on the Lord, and he answered them. So Samuel is listed as a man that could call on God, could pray, and get an answer. He's listed here, and I'll take a look over to Jeremiah. Chapter 15. Look at Jeremiah. A few pages over. Chapter 15. And we look at the first verse. 15.1 Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be towards this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And so... Jeremiah is talking to the Israelites, and he says to them, Samuel got anything he asked for, but you're so bad now, even him I wouldn't listen to at this point. And so there's a point where people go beyond it, but some people have the power to get prayers answered. All right, Samuel had power. Prayers answered. I want to say to you that that's very, very unusual. You don't find it much. How do you get that power? Everybody wants to know that. I want to know how my prayers get to be answered. Well, there's really one thing that you can say. Uh, You can buy things. From God, you can buy things from God, and you do it with obedience. You buy things from God with obedience. He said, well, That's a funny way to say it, buy things. Well, when you do what God wants, and we'll see as we go on, uh, Him doing that, uh, you can get prayers answered, but uh, many prayers are answered, and and i thought about this for years. Many prayers are answered because of God's kindness and God's faithfulness. And I think most prayers are answered. We just went through a list, didn't we? How many, three or four, five different people that we prayed for, are recovered, came through surgery, et cetera. Uh, and you want to know how those prayers came out because God is kind and good and faithful, and that's why. And it's hard for us to say, well, so-and-so prayed, and he always gets an answer. That, that's not been my uh, thing. There are some cases I've had that I could not understand. I couldn't grasp them. There's a couple of cases I can think of where I really did everything in my power and I didn't get an answer. Take a look at Ezekiel chapter 14. And you get this topic of People who pray and get their prayers answered. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 12. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then I will stretch out my hand upon it, will break the staff of bread thereof, send famine on it, will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should not deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord of God. So he said, there's a point, God says, where I am not going to listen to prayers for deliverance, prayers for mercy. I'm not going to listen to them. There's a point when it's gone too far, when God has to judge. And he says, well, Noah, what about Noah? Well, Noah, they said, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God looked down at Noah and said, that guy, is, he's really a good man. He's the man I'm going to help. He's going to save the human race. All right? And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, Job, God said Job was perfect. Didn't say that about anybody else. He said, Job Told Satan, you notice him? Yeah, I saw him. (laughs) You notice how he's perfect? Wow. That's quite a reputation. But he said, if Job asked, there's a point where you don't get answered. And then he mentions Daniel. And Daniel is probably known for being one of the wisest men in the Bible. He advised two major kingdoms. Matter of fact, world kings. He was the number one advisor in Babylon, and he became the number one advisor as the next people came to power. Persians uh, came to power. He was their main advisor. So he's extremely wise, and everything he does is very wise. And so you got grace in Noah's eyes, perfection in Job, and wisdom in Daniel, and those great great men god says i can't listen to them in these cases and he says the same thing about samuel but samuel prayed and he was a great man for getting his prayer answered but there's a point where i'm not going to answer and so samuel was one of these ones who uh, got almost all of his prayers answered like i said i've had cases where i can't understand and to this day I don't understand why my prayers weren't answered. Hezekiah uh, had a great prayer. If you look at Second uh, Kings, and these are men that got prayer answered. Second Kings chapter 19. He gets a letter. And the letter says, it's by his enemy, who's outside the gates of Jerusalem. He said, we're going to come in and tear Jerusalem in little pieces. Verse 14 of 2 Kings 19. Hezekiah received the letter at the hand of the messenger and read it. Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God, which dwells between the cherubims, thou art the God. Even thou alone of all the kings of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which thou hast sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations in their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. And they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord God, beseech thee, save us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms may know that thou art the law of God, even thou. And so uh, Hezekiah takes the letter and goes and lays it here, God. This is the letter that I got. And he's praying over the letter. And uh, Sennacherib is outside the gates of Jerusalem. And God sent a plague. And uh, the whole army, almost the whole entire army, died in one night from the plague. And it was an awesome, awesome thing. And uh, he got a prayer answered. He laid the letter, I tried that. One of the prayers that I had was a letter that came to me and I took it and said, here, here's what Hezekiah did, I'm gonna do that. I really need this prayer answered. And it wasn't answered, didn't get answered. I can't describe that. So I'm come to believe a whole lot more that when our prayers are answered, it's because of God. It's him. He's good, and he's kind, and he's responsive. And so when we pray, you know, some people say, well, I'll pray and I'll get you an answer. Not, I never say that. I'll pray. I'll always ask God, not afraid to ask God for things. He said, you're going to have to ask me. If you're going to get answers. And he said, you don't have because you didn't ask. You don't have because you didn't ask. And so we got to pray. But I don't know how to get to be like Samuel. I wish I did. But I don't. And so there's times uh, when we're in serious situations. And you've seen plenty of them just lately. We've seen situations where, oh, God. Please don't let that young boy die. He's up there in the hospital with a wound right in the middle of his head. And he prayed that God won't let him die. And they say, Well, maybe if you pray, not if I pray, I will pray, but I can't guarantee that. So, Samuels, this is an extraordinary man. This is a man who has something unique where he can address God and get an answer, and the record of his life is none of his prayers fell to the ground. So if you can ever find somebody like that. (laughs) I have heard stories of people, and the most remarkable, uh, one of the most remarkable ones was uh, George Mueller. I don't know how many of you have heard me speak of George Mueller, he was a man who uh, decided he had a heart for orphans over in England, and he started to take in orphans. And eventually, he had four huge orphanage houses, and he took care of hundreds of orphans over in England. And he said, I'm never going to ask anybody for one penny. I will ask God, and that's it. And there's some of the remarkable stories. I came out of that, and you've heard me tell it maybe before, but uh, they had a whole orphanage full of kids, and it's time for supper, and so uh, they said to George Mueller, "We don't have any food." He said, "Well, get them sitting down." So if you had any food to give them, said, "Tell them to sit down." So all the kids come up to the tables there's no food. I'll sit down, and they said, "George, there's no food." So we got to say grace, right? Got to say thank you. And so uh, he says a prayer, says, "Thank you, God, for our food. And there isn't any." And just as he's saying, in the middle of his prayer, he's knocking at the door. He goes over. And a guy from the bakery said, I made a mistake, I got all this bread, can you use it? And they took it and fed the kids. I mean, he did that over and over and over again. Remarkable man. That's why there's a box here, because I said I can never ask people for money, he's got the right idea, we're gonna put a box, that box used to sit on my kitchen table. In my house when i had services in my house and i never asked anybody for money and i haven't yet done that but some people have a way with god and they can get their prayers answered And those are extraordinary people and here's samuel he's not given much tension in the Bible is too bad because he's really got his act together he really knows how to do it now what unfolds next is just God's way of doing things because uh, he's about to meet a man named Saul Before this happens, <coughs> uh, the people of Israel come to Samuel and they say, we want a king. All the other nations have a king. We don't have a king. Uh, we got you, but you're not a king. So we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. And so Samuel says, all right, here's a bad idea. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> and so he starts down a list. And you see that nice piece of property there? A the king is going to take it. Because that's your best property. He's going to take that property. You get a king. All right. And that food that you grow, he's going to come in and say, this part's mine. Sounds familiar, huh? And then he says, your sons, he's going to say, That's a good, healthy boy. He's in my army. Come on, let's go. You got money? I need some. I'll take yours. Your daughters are going to learn to be bakers, and they're going to serve him. All right? They're going to take everything. You get a king, they're going to take anything they want from you whenever they want. And he said, that's why it's a really bad idea to get a king. He will take whatever he wants. And they said, we don't care. That's what they said. They literally said, we don't care. We want somebody to lead us into battle. "Eh." Look what just happened. God sent thunder and lightning and sent the nastiest army running home. And isn't that enough? Aren't you satisfied? No we want a king we demand to have a king so <laughs> that's one chapter and we go to the next chapter and we meet this guy named Saul and Saul when we meet him is out looking for donkeys <laughs> it's perfect it's perfect he's looking for donkeys he lost three donkeys can't find them so him and he's got a servant with him and they go look Can't find them donkeys and looked all day. Well, we'll look again tomorrow. Goes the next day looking for donkeys the second day. It's coming to be the third day. He said, Mom and Dad are going to wonder where I am. I can't find these donkeys. So I got to get some help. And somebody tells Saul, Well, there's a seer. There's a seer. And he knows pretty much everything called them seers in that day because they could see whatever needed to be seen. And of course, Samuel is the seer. And so he said, oh, i got to go find this seer. Ask him where my donkeys are. <laughs> <laughs> First Samuel 9, chapter 9, verse 9. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. And so Saul says, I want to find this seer. Tell me where my donkeys are. And so in verse number 18 of chapter 9, Saul drew near to Samuel and in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place. You will eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go. I will tell thee all that is in thine heart. As for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind in them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on thy father's house? All right, so he says, you're going to eat dinner with me tonight, okay. Tomorrow, I'm going to tell you what I think. Okay. By the way, don't worry about the donkeys. We already found the donkeys. (laughs) So, this is a guy looking for donkeys. And God says to Samuel, that's the guy. You're going to make him the king. And so... Samuel, says to Saul, who's still wondering about his donkeys, (laughs) he says, well, all of Israel has their hopes on you. And he says in verse 21, Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? He says, look, I'm nobody. The smallest tribe in Israel, he says, I'm just a little person. One of the smallest tribes in my family is the least of all families in that tribe. Who are you you talking to me like that for? So chapter 10, verse 1. Samuel took a vial of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him, that if, is it not because the Lord hath anointed to be, to be captain over his inheritance? So he anoints Saul king. Now, stop and think about that. Stop and think about that. What's his opinion about a king? It's a bad idea. He's going to steal you blind, He's going to take your children from you, take your daughters from you, take your property, take the food right out of your mouth. That's what a king's going to do if you get one. And you're worried about going to battle. And we just had this whole thunder and lightning thing where God helped us. So you're doing the wrong thing. But Samuel anointed him to be king. How do you explain that? Because God said to, and Samuel buy things from God with obedience, and so Samuel thinks it's a bad idea. Here's a guy looking for donkeys. Of all the things you can think of, he's looking for donkeys. He's worried about his donkeys, and now. God wants me to anoint him king, and he pours it on, he says, there you go, you're the king. Just like that. And that's why Samuel's so unusual. God said to him, I'm going to send you this guy looking for donkeys, and he's going to be the king. And you think the most unqualified man anywhere is this Saul. Why do you want a king? Because the whole thing's a bad idea. So uh, he tells Saul a whole bunch of things. Go do this, and when you go down the road, there'll be two people here. You go down to the next curve, and there's three people there. And you're going to go over there, and somebody's going to come up to you and say this. He gives them the whole story, like a seer who knows exactly what's going on. And he said, then you're going to be prophesying. He tells a whole list of things he's going to do. But, when we get over to uh, chapter 12, Samuel is going to tell these people one more time that they're wrong. This is not a good idea. You want this king. You are wrong. And so, let's see what he says because I think this is pretty fascinating where it goes. <coughs> uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel 12, I'm looking at verse 14. These are the people who just chose a king. He's anointed their king. Verse 14 If you will fear the Lord and serve him, obey his voice. There it is, right? Obey, right? Not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. Then you both you and the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. If you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. He says, you and this king, you obey what God asked you to do. That's how Samuel gets prayers answered. He said, then you'll be all right. You don't, you won't. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call to the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain that you may perceive that your wickedness is great that you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called the Lord, the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people feared greatly the Lord. And Samuel, you bet they did. (laughs) He said, look, I told you before. God helped us destroy the Philistines. They haven't been back since. And he said, now I'm going to tell you you were wrong. I'm going to show you where you were wrong. And here's the proof. Thunder, lightning and harvest time. That never happened in Israel. Very uncommon. That's why harvest was when it was. They had two harvests. Because it's hot there. They were able to have an early harvest and a late harvest. And the reason they had harvest at certain times, because it didn't rain. It would be dry. And right in the middle of it, there's a huge thunderstorm in the middle of harvest. Now they're afraid of Samuel. They ought to be afraid of Samuel. He said, you're wrong. But we got what we asked for, yeah. And you're wrong. It doesn't change That you're right or wrong because you got what you asked for. Now let's see what he says here. Verse 19, all the people said to Samuel, pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not. For we have added all our sins to this evil to ask us in king. Samuel said to the people, fear not, you have done all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Turn ye not aside and ye should go after vain things which cannot profit or deliver. They are vain. The Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake because it pleased the Lord to make you his people. Why won't he do it for his own sake? All right, Not for their sake. Now watch Samuel. Verse 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. Isn't that something? They did the wrong thing. They forced his hand to do the wrong thing. He told them it's the wrong thing. Said, but don't worry about me. I'll be praying for you. I'd say to myself, oh, wow. I'm glad he's praying for me. <laughs> so <clears throat> I will teach you good and the right way. Only fear the Lord. Serve him in truth with all your heart. Consider how great things he has done for you. If you shall still do wicked. You shall be consumed. Both you and your king. Alright. So here's the chance. Fix this and do it right. And it'll be okay. Right. We're all set. So here's a promise. I'll pray for you. That's really good. All right. But you got to do what you're supposed to do. You've made a really bad choice. God won't re- won't abandon you because of your bad choice if you make the right choice. So do right from now on. It's the best thing we can tell people. we made a mess. Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. But let's, from now on, let's do right, okay? We'll do right from now on. That'll be the right great thing. So let's see how he does. Chapter 13, verse number 8. Terry, seven days, according to the time set that Samuel had appointed, Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul had an appointment. I'll see you, Samuel, in a week. But he didn't make it. Saul said, bring me hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. He's not supposed to do that. He's not a Levite. He's not a priest. He's not supposed to make burnt offerings. It came to pass, as soon as he's made the end of the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. (laughs) Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. He made me king, after all. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? Saul said, Because I saw the people were scattered from me, that thou camest not within the days appointed that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash. Therefore, I said, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. So I forced myself, therefore, offered a burn offering. <laughs> said, The devil made me do it. No, I just forced myself. I didn't want to do it. But you were supposed to come on the seventh day. You realize he did come on the seventh day. He came that day. All right. He just didn't wait. All right. Uh, Saul is something. Verse 13 Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart and has commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So, so, I knew it was a bad idea from the beginning, but if God wanted me to anoint you, you had a chance to do right, you did the wrong thing, I come here and you're making sacrifices. You're supposed to wait for me and you did it yourself. And he said, I forced myself, not my fault. It's your fault, Samuel, because you didn't come. Yes, he did come. So he's not doing good so far. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. Verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people over Israel. Therefore hearken thou to the voice of the words of the Lord. Tell you again. Here's what God said. Thus saith the Lord of hosts Remember that Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both man, woman, infant, suckling, ox, ass, camel, sheep, everything. I want you to wipe out the Amalekites from the face of the earth. God says they want them all dead, nothing kept, kill everything. I want them all dead. So he goes to battle, comes back, and Samuel comes to meet him. Verse 12. When Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, was told Samuel, saying, Saul, come to Carmel. Set up a place has gone about, passed on, gone to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul. Saul said to him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? God said, Kill everything. Kill the animals, all the animals. So here comes Samuel. I did it, I did it. I did it just like you said. He said, I hear sheep. I hear cows. not supposed to hear that. What's the meaning of this? 16, Samuel said to Saul, or 15, Saul said they brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep of the oxen, sacrificed to the Lord thy God. The rest we did utterly destroyed. <laughs> So he blamed the people that time. First time blamed Samuel, you know, blame the people. 16. Samuel said to Saul, Stay and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. Samuel said, All right, now here's the great part of Samuel. You say he is a marvelously powerful spiritual man. He gets his prayer down so he can call thunder and lightning whenever he wants down from heaven. He can do what he's amazing, but along comes this pain in the neck named Saul. And Samuel's life is tormented by Saul for the rest of his life. And so we have Saul doing wrong, blaming everybody under the sun, and Samuel's response to it. That's the value of Samuel. Is he knows what to say to this extraordinary situation. And our lessons from Samuel come from his response to Saul. So here it is, verse 17. Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made a head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? He said, When I first met you, and I told you God had something special. What did you say? I'm nobody special? I'm from the smallest tribe, smallest family. Who am I? Why are you talking to me like that? He said, now you think you're something. You think you're something special now. Before, when you thought you were unimportant, God could use you. Now you think you can do whatever you want. It's up to you. You can sacrifice even. No, you can't. Yes, I can. I can do whatever I want. He said, "When you were little in your own eyes." And there's one of the great values of the the wisdom of Samuel is when you were little okay. When you thought you were important started throwing your weight around, started saying I can do this, I'm important. And you failed miserably. And so it's our own estimation of who we are and who we think we are. that matters so much in how God views us. It's our own estimation of that. And when Saul thought he was special, he could do whatever he wanted, he failed miserably. So what do you think of yourself? Who are you? Are you a big deal or not? You say whatever you think or not? Ah, that's, a, that's a very insightful thing to say. Let's go on. See what he says. Verse 20. Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way which the Lord sent me. I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He didn't utterly destroy him. Why? Because he brought the king back. Of all the people he was supposed to destroy, supposed to destroy the king. And there's a king named Agag. Agag. The king the Amalekites. And he brought him along to verse, <coughs> now watch this, 21. But the people took the spoil. Sheep and oxen, chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord thy God in guilty. Blame the people again. So, and I mean, I, I didn't do anything. I hear sheep. Well, people did that. I hear oxen. Yeah, those people. And why is that king standing there? He's got no answer to that because he did that clearly himself. He brought Agag there. Now, the next verses, two verses, are the key to spiritual attainment, to being what God wants us to be. And there's nobody ever said it better than these two. Chapter er, 22. Samuel said, As the Lord is great delight in birth offerings and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams. Remember he sacrificed before when he wasn't supposed to. He said, I'm just making God happy. I brought all these animals I was supposed to kill, but we're going to give them to God and make God happy. He said, God's not happy. God could care less about your offerings and your sacrifices and all that you do. He said, he wants you to obey first. He said, well, I do things for the Lord. First, first, he wants you to obey. It's much better to obey than to say, this is all for God. I brought it all for you. Never mind that did you do what he asked you to do? There's the answer. Samuel's got it together. He knows what he's talking about. Now, the next statement is really stunning. 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So, Saul was told. Don't you don't make sacrifices. Oh yes, I do. I can. I can do what I want. I can. Uh, you need to wipe out the Amalekites and all their flocks and herds and everything. No, I won't do that. I make my own decision. I'm gonna decide what I want to do. And Samuel said, Rebellion is like witchcraft. You understand witchcraft is worshiping the devil. There! Next time you get it in your head, I'm going to do what I want to do. i got in my own mind what I'm thinking I want to do. And you remember what Samuel said. That rebellion, where you're going to do what you want to do, he said, you might as well be worshiping the devil. Same thing. Whew. Ever think about that. Old Samuel really knows how to hit it, doesn't he? And rebellion is what got us where we are, you see. Because we all rebelled against God. We all did what we should not he says it's like worshiping the devil. You say, well, I never worshiped the devil. It's the same thing. What's the devil but rebellion? If you're going to put rebellion over obedience, then you're saying, God, you're not important. Somebody else is. Happens to be the devil. You better watch it. And here's the next one. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Know anybody that's stubborn? He says stubbornness is like idolatry. Or that we carve a little wooden statue and we bow down to the statue and says, you're my God. He says stubbornness is the same thing. The same motivation in the heart that makes you bow down to a stupid little piece of wood. Because why? Because the real God, you gotta mean business. You can't just say to him, Oh, hey, you're okay. You won't, you're blind. <laughs> that old piece of wood is blind, can't see me anyway. I do, kind of do what I want. I do whatever I want, because I'm stubborn. And he said, No. No, well, Samuel says. Stubbornness and rebellion are the reason that the human race fell. So what's wrong with Adam and Eve? They were stubborn and rebellious. And we've all got it in us to be stubborn and rebellious and think we're more than we really are. And so Samuel's comments back to Saul are the most insightful in the Bible, I think, on the personal nature of power in the spiritual realms. If you think you're important, you're somebody, if you're rebellious against God and you refuse to obey, and then you're stubborn, you're not going to change. You say to God, rebellion says, no, I won't. And stubbornness says, you can't make me. You can't make me. So Samuel's comments to Saul, Saul was a real thorn in his flesh. And God would say to Samuel, go anoint David for the next king. And he'd have to sneak off to Bethlehem and say, I'm going up there to sacrifice, which he did. But he said, God told him, go make that boy a king. There's a boy in that house. I want him to be king. He had to sneak up because Saul, by that time, Wants to kill David. And Saul, so we've talked about it, pursues David and tries to kill him. So Samuel judged Israel for 20 years and went around and was their leader for 20 years. And uh, uh, what a time the poor fella had. But boy, can he see? Talk about a seer, right? He can see into the hearts of people and he can tell you exactly what's wrong with you. That's kind of why he kind of had to hide a little bit because Saul probably would have hurt him in the end. And the strangest thing, I promise to be done, strangest thing, Samuel died and Saul had abandoned God completely, and he went to a witch. The Bible says he went to a witch, the witch of Endor, which is just what he just said, rebellion is witchcraft. Saul went to a witch and said, I need help. I'm coming to you to help me. He, she said, who do you want to talk to? He says, Samuel. Ha! Talk about rocks in your head. You go and do the wrong thing time after time and you're stubborn and you're foolish and you're rebellion and you think you're a big shot when you're not. And when it's all over, he wants advice from who? Samuel. And for the first time and the only time that we know of, God allowed somebody to respond. And so the witch says, okay, I'll call up this spirit. Of course, she's expecting an evil spirit because she's got one she deals with. She says, okay, I'm going to call up. And she said, oh, wait a minute. Who's that? Saul says, what does it look like? It's an old man wearing a long coat. That's Sam. Samuel says, Why are you bothering me? So he said, Why are you bothering me? Why are you bothering me? He said, You rebel against God. Tomorrow you're going to go into battle and you're going to die. So I'm leaving. (laughs) Samuel left. He pronounced on Saul cosmic judgment. And what do you think the next day he did? He went to battle. Just the opposite. God sent Samuel, allowed him to come through the witchcraft. Not really the witchcraft, okay. The witch didn't call up Samuel. God said, never mind her. I'm going to send you down for one last chance. We'll try once more to save Saul. Come and tell him. There's no use. You're done. Doesn't help. Next day he goes to the battle. Dies. Poor Samuel. Even when he's dead, Saul is a thorn in his side. Huh? It's a great, it's a great story. Very insightful into the human condition. Comes from the mouth of this boy who at six, seven years old was talking to God regularly. Could call down thunder and lightning whenever he wanted. And it seems his last years were wasted, but they weren't wasted because it's recorded in the Bible for you and me to know when we think we're bigger than we are and when we think we're rebellion and disobedient and we're finding ourselves in a real mess. And there's the example. That's Samuel and God, one of the great men of the Bible. Thank you.